What and Bassett 100 Years Ago, a walking tour of the high street. Researched and compiled by Sheridan Parsons and narrated by Sarah Tyler. The walk will take about 30 minutes at a gentle pace. The shop names listed were correct at the time of publication. Dedicated to those who served, those who fell and those who stayed at home. Printed copies are available from the bookshop or online. Welcome to Wooden Bassett High Street. We begin our tour at the War Memorial, which was dedicated in 2004. The War Memorial later became synonymous with the 167 repatriations of fallen service personnel, which took place via RAF Lynham, the first in April 2007 and the last in August 2011. In total, 345 men and women were repatriated through the town from Iraq, Afghanistan, Bahrain, Cyprus and Italy. Bassett Books and Charles Geddes were not divided as they are today. This was the home of Samuel and Lois Eggleston. Samuel was a Great Western Railway pay clerk and part-time farmer who kept 20 cows at Meads Farm. Their son Edmund served in the Wiltshire Regiment during the First World War. Their lodger, Austin Moody, was a delivery man for Smith and Hope's The Ironmongers. Miss Tro's Wool Shop, which is currently empty, was the home of Levi and Ellen Easley. Levi was a decorator and furniture dealer. He played the violin and he was the town's bandmaster. Bassett News was called Cambridge House. It was the home of Arthur and Elizabeth Strange. Arthur owned a motor and bicycle shop further up the high street where Subway is today and a motor garage where Wooden Bassett service station is today. The card factory was built on the site of Clarendon House, a former pub which had been converted into a family house. It was the home of Robert and Kate Little. Robert was an accountant and tax collector. During the First World War, he worked at the munition factory in Swindon, then later in the war he served as a clerk in the Royal Flying Corps in France. Superdrug was a draper's shop belonging to James and Emma Mills. After James died in 1920, his daughter Annie and her husband John Odie took over the shop. Betfred was Herbert Messiter's shop. He was a hairdresser, tobacconist and umbrella maker who lived in Station Road. Living upstairs were George Dore, a hairdresser, and his wife Jane. Their lodger, William Locke, was a young bank clerk. He joined up when he was 16, intending to serve in the First World War, but he was sent home as soon as his age was discovered. Subway was Arthur Strange's motor and cycle shop. We met him at his home, now Bassett News. Living upstairs were Clarence Checker, who worked as a motorcyclist. During the First World War, Clarence served as an air mechanic with the Royal Flying Corps in France. Arthur Strange and his brother Tom also ran a motorworks where Wooden Bassett service station is today. Dan's Deli and Mercer Hare were not divided as they are today. This was the home of William Morrish, a groom and storesman, and his wife Bessie. Deacon's Jewellers was Henry Trow and Sons. They were architects, builders and decorators. They also had a workshop where the Catholic Church is today. Henry was in poor health, so his wife Kate and son Arthur ran the business. During the First World War, their son Harry, a draftsman, was an air mechanic in the Royal Flying Corps in France. He suffered from shell shock. Paper Kisses and Thorntons were two separate properties. On the left, Ernest and Alice Hunt ran a newsagents and tobacconists. 
On the right, Heber and Morlena Hunt ran a grocer's and bakery. Heber died in 1914, but Morlena kept the business going. Coral was built on the site of two older properties. Henry Flewelling, a builder and decorator, lived on the left. Edward Harris, a sawmill labourer, and his wife Charlotte lived on the right. Three of Edward and Charlotte's sons served in the First World War, Francis, William and Walter. William and Walter were both wounded, and Walter died in 1920 as a result of his wounds. The Angel was managed by James and Alice Taylor. Behind the pub there were stables, coach houses, chicken runs, a pigsty and a vegetable garden. They also kept horses and cows in the field down Station Road. Two of their sons served in the First World War. Lit, who had emigrated to Canada, served in the Winnipeg Rifles and was killed in France. Charlie served as a driver in the Army Service Corps. During the war, their daughter Dorothy married Tom Gibson, a Royal Engineer. Tom was also killed in France. Charlie took over the Angel after his parents' retirement. Marie Curie was Smith and Hopes, which was an ironmongers, gun dealers, gas fitters and plumbers. Smith and Hope's smithy made horseshoes for the army during the First World War. The owner, Horace Hope, lived further down the high street at number 58. All Seasons Greengrocers and Dandelion were built on the site of White Stones, the home of Daniel and Sarah Kenbury. Daniel was a market gardener and sold his homegrown produce in his general store. Two of their sons served in the First World War. Edward was an aero rigger in the Air Force, and Frederick was a driver in the Royal Field Artillery. Apsley House was built on the site of Walter and Sarah Armstrong's house. Walter was an auctioneer and landowner. We'll pass his business premises later, at 118 High Street. The tailor's shop was a pub, the Borough Arms, which had three landlords during the First World War. The first were John and Emily Matthews. Next was Walter Hume, a former soldier who kept pigs and poultry behind the pub. Walter rejoined the army in 1917. The third landlord was John Gray, who had previously managed the Beaufort Arms down Station Road. Salon 52 and Oh My Paws were originally one property, the home of Alfred and Tabitha Cook. Their bakery, confectioners and tea room was on the left, and their home was on the right. The Conservative Club was built on the site of a house belonging to Ernest Lansdowne, a widower. Ernest was a building contractor, property owner and landlord. Two of his sons served in the First World War. Bruce was a gunner in the Royal Garrison Artillery. Victor served in the Wiltshire Regiment, was taken prisoner, but returned home safely after the war. The alley to the right of the Conservative Club leads to numbers 54 and 55. Number 54 was the home of Stephen Newth, a grocer's traveller, and his wife Lizzie. Number 55 was the home of Walter Townsend, a labourer, and his wife Jane. The building to the right of the fence was a meeting hall, with an organ upstairs used for YMCA Bible classes, the Boy Scouts, and later the Red Cross. 56 High Street was called Fairview. It was the home of Alfred and Mary Humphreys. Alfred was a retired estate manager, and Mary was his second wife. His daughter Lucy was a great stalwart of the Red Cross. Lucy never married. She lived at Fairview with Alfred's stepdaughter Elsie for the rest of her life. Audrey, Bailey and Douglas was called Stafford House. 
It was the home of Richard Bond, a retired grocer, and his wife, May, who he had married at the age of 76. His daughter, Gwendolyn, was a VAD nurse. Three of his grandsons served in the First World War. 58 High Street was the home of Horace and Kate Hope, of Smith and Hope's The Ironmongers, which we passed earlier. The Red Lion was recently built and was managed by Arthur Pierce and his wife Esther. Arthur served in the First World War, probably as a driver in the Royal Field Artillery. The building behind the gate on the right was built for the town football club. It was a popular meeting place throughout the war. Wooden Bassett Physiotherapy was built on the site of a cottage, which was formerly a pub, The Lamb. It was the home of Samuel Lawrence from the Courier's Arms, and later his brother Henry from the Cross Keys. Le Petit Beauty Room was built on the site of another cottage, the home of William and Florence Reynolds. During the First World War, William served as a quartermaster with the Wiltshire Regiment in Egypt, then joined the Army Gymnastic Staff. The next residents were James and Maud Embling. James was a cowman and horseman at Spratt's Barn Farm. During the First World War, he served in the Wiltshire Regiment and the Somerset Light Infantry. The Wesleyan Chapel stood just beyond this point where the road is today. The chapel was demolished in 1964 to make way for the present junction. You can still see the remains of the old road opposite. Here we will cross the high street. Harris Laundromat was built on the site of an older house, the home of Robert Looms, a self-employed hairdresser, and his partner Lucy. Robert's wife had deserted him, and he was not free to marry Lucy until his divorce in 1939. This was later the home of William Rouse, a wheelwright, and his wife Edith, a dressmaker. SNES was built on the site of a house occupied by Isaac Bendry, a tent proprietor, and his sister Susan. Isaac later married Mabel Park, the town's midwife. Johnson and Daltrey was the home of a brother and sister, John and Mary Cook. John was a plumber, painter and glazier. The complete foot care clinic was the home of John and Hannah Angelinetta. John was a greengrocer and their daughter Florence helped in the shop. 114 High Street was the home of William Cave and his wife Alice. William was a plasterer, tiler, property owner and landlord. 115 High Street was the home of Francis and Elizabeth Checker. Francis was a carpenter. During the First World War, their son Clarence was a baker in the Army Service Corps in France. He later served in the Rifle Brigade. The new Gourmet Oriental was the home of Charles Waite, a police pensioner, his wife Amy, his son Charles, and his great-nephew Sidney Forster. During the First World War, Sidney served in the Machine Gun Corps. He died in hospital in Alexandria, probably from malaria. The town council office was the home of Charles and Emily Rouse. Charles was a retired rope maker. We'll meet his son Joseph, who ran the family business at J. Rouse & Son. During the First World War, two of Charles and Emily's sons served in the Canadian forces. Gilbert in the Winnipeg Grenadiers and Alan in the Alberta Regiment. Another son, Herbert, joined the Coldstream Guards just before his 18th birthday, but never saw active service. 118 High Street was Armstrong's son, the auctioneers, estate agents and corn merchants. We met the proprietor, Walter Armstrong, at Aspen House. Walter's son, Francis, and his maiden aunt, Isabella, lived here. The co-op funeral service, Maslin's, was built on the site of an archway leading into Armstrong's yard. 
The China Chef was the home of John Manning and his wife Jane. John was a grocer and hardware merchant. The next residents were the brothers George and Tom Churchill and their mother Elizabeth. George and Tom were watchmakers. Crump's Coffee Shop was the home of George Angelinetta and his wife Sarah. George was a master butcher. Four of their five sons served in the First World War. Charles was a driver in the Royal Field Artillery, whose hearing was permanently damaged in the war. Albert, Oliver and William served in the Wiltshire Regiment. Oliver was killed in action in France. Bertie was a motor mechanic for Reeves and Freeguard and did not serve. Crump's Butchers was the Picture Palace Cinema, which opened in 1913. The owner, Walter Spear, was a milkman who lived in Swindon. During the First World War, he worked in the munitions store in Swindon. He was later called up and left the cinema in the hands of a tenant. One of the cinema's operators was killed in the war, but unfortunately we do not know his name. Iceland was built on the site of three cottages. The first was occupied by William Shepherd, a carpenter and wheelwright, and his wife Rhoda. Their son Oliver served in the First World War. The second cottage was the home of William and Jane Hunt. William was a warehouseman and van driver for Smith and Hopes, the ironmongers. He also served in the war. The third cottage was the home of Arthur Bew, a widowed upholsterer and cabinet maker who was completely deaf. After his death in 1916, his two daughters, Emily and Kate, lived here. Sienna's and the RSPCA charity shop were called London House and were not divided as they are today. The owners, William and Annie Comley, used the shop as a baker's, grocer's, confectioner's, corn merchant's and tea room. Just before the First World War, their tenant Walter Coombs had sublet two rooms to the YMCA. William and Annie probably continued with this arrangement throughout the war. Jay Rouse's son was the home of Joseph and Mary Rouse. Joseph had taken over the family business and was now the only rope maker in the area. He made rope, twine, sacks and waterproof covers. He was exempted from military service due to his specialist skill. The Cloth of Gold sewing shop was the home of Harry Harris, who was probably connected to the Harris family at Coral. The next resident was Louisa Keane, a widow. Her son Frederick served in the First World War. The Crafty Coffee Shop was a workshop for Reeves and Freeguard next door. Bassett Bakery and Smart Cuts were not divided as they are today. This was Reeves and Freeguard, a motor garage and cycle shop. Living upstairs were Philip Kenneth Reeves and his wife Lillian. Philip served in the First World War as a fitter and driver in the Army Service Corps in Mesopotamia. Lillian was a clerk at Chiseldon Camp, but gave this up when Philip was called up and kept the business going with Bertie Angelinetta, their motor mechanic. Reeves and Freeguard closed soon after the war, and two former soldiers, George and Arthur Franklin, turned the shop into a grocer's. The Natural Health Clinic was a watchmaker's, jewellers and opticians, run by James Nathan Riddick, who lived in Tinker's Lane. Upstairs, Frank Comley, a baker and grocer, lived with his wife, Ellen. Bassett Stationers was the home of Benjamin Cooksey, a brewery clerk and salesman. His wife, Bessie, was the daughter of James Taylor at The Angel. Lavish Nails and Beauty was the home of Arthur Price, a great Western Railway carpenter and wagon builder, and his wife, Mary. The next residents were Robert Collins, a great Western Railway porter, and his wife, Elsie. The Crown Hotel was run by Arthur and Dorothy White, 
then briefly by Walter Hume, before being taken over by William and Jane Hart. Two of William and Jane's sons served in the First World War. Frederick served in the Devonshire Regiment. Samuel was a sergeant in the Royal Field Artillery. Samuel was wounded in action and died in Salonica. M&Co was a butcher shop occupied by William and Sarah Jane Drury. William, who was a butcher and cattle dealer, died in 1916. His sons Harry and Howard both served in the First World War. Howard was an air mechanic in the Royal Flying Corps. Harry joined the Wiltshire Regiment. He was taken prisoner but returned home safely after the war. Boots the Chemist was a chemist and druggists, the home of Frank Ballard and his wife Ada. Frank was a property owner who owned every house in Victory Row. Two of their sons served in France during the First World War. Oswald served with the Canadian forces and later suffered from shell shock. Alfred served in the Royal Army Service Corps and the Royal Field Artillery. Potter's Walk and the Prospect House Shop were built on the site of a saddlers and harness makers belonging to John King and his wife Charlotte. Their business supplied equipment to local farmers and soldiers and also dealt in horses. John and Charlotte's son William served in the First World War. John King died here in 1918. Barclays Bank, now closed, was the home of a widower, John White, who was a tea dealer and grocer. During the First World War, John's assistant, Harry Webb, served in the Wiltshire Regiment in the Balkans. The next occupants were Jesse New, a decorator, and his wife, Edith. The Cross Keys was occupied by Henry and Caroline Lawrence. Henry was a sub-postman and ran a blacksmith's in the yard and a cycle shop in one of the front rooms. During the First World War, he left to serve as a blacksmith in the Royal Field Artillery in France. The next managers were Frederick and Florence Brown. They lost three of their four sons in the war. Headley served in the Royal Navy on HMS Abukir and was drowned when it was torpedoed. Brian joined the Royal Marines Light Infantry and was killed in action in France. Alan was a stretcher bearer in the Somerset Light Infantry. He was also killed in France. Their sole surviving son Bertie was in the Royal Sussex Regiment in France until he was severely wounded and discharged. In recognition of their great loss, their mother Florence was chosen to open the War Memorial Institute in said Station Road. 137 High Street was called Stone Edge. It was the home of Dr Andrew Fernie and his wife Rhoda, who was a daughter of the solicitor Harry Bevere. Rhoda kept cows and poultry on the field behind their house. Dr Fernie used the right-hand rooms in the cross keys as a surgery. The Oscar Grill was Riddick's Outfitters and Bootmakers. It was the home of Frank Riddick, an outfitter, and his wife Florence. Richard James Estate Agents was Riddick's Printing Works and the home of its manager, John Trow, a master printer, and his wife, Eva. The shop sold stationery and fancy goods and offered a photography and framing service. The owner, Joseph Riddick, had moved to Malmesbury to help run his uncle's printing business. During the First World War, Joseph Riddick served in the Lincolnshire Cyclist Regiment and the Royal Army Service Corps. Hayman Smith was built on the site of Bartlett Brothers, a tailors, outfitters and hatters. It was the home of Frank Bartlett, his wife Anna and their daughter Grace, who was a music teacher. The shop closed when Frank died in 1919, but Anna and Grace remained here for the rest of their lives. 
Bevere's was a solicitor's office, Harry Bevere and Son. Note the brass plate on the door. Rooms here were used by the council and the Capital and Counties Bank. The Bevere family lived at Lime Kiln and the manager of the bank, Charles Petlow, lived in Swindon. William Baxter, the commissionaire, was a solicitor's clerk. He lived here with his wife, Betsy, a former domestic nurse. William was also the parish church organist. 142 High Street was a cottage next to Bevers, which was demolished to widen Station Road. It was the home of Isaac Watts, his wife Mary, and his granddaughter Joyce. Isaac worked for the Poor Law Union, administering relief payments and workhouse admissions. Here we cross Station Road. Old Bank Antiques was the home of Albert Wallace, a mason, property owner and landlord, and his wife Fanny. During the First World War, a deserter, Arthur Dean, stayed the night here. He was on the run and was riding a stolen bicycle. He was captured, sentenced to four years penal servitude for burglary, and was discharged from the army. The co-op was built on the site of the Royal Oak, a large and fading hotel. George McNaught, a partner in the brewery, stayed here when he was in town. The manageress was Charlotte Popkin, a widow from Wales. When George McNaught died unexpectedly, the Royal Oak closed. It was probably used as the so-called corner house, which billeted German prisoners of war during the final year of the First World War. The Istanbul Barbers was Blackwell and Sons, a saddlers and harness makers. It was the home of Frederick Blackwell and his wife Annie. They later installed a petrol pump here and turned it into a motoring store. During the First World War, one of their employees, William Selwood, served in the machine gun corps. Mario's Pizza was the home of Miss Alice Mills, a spinster, and later Margaret Hathway, the widow of Edwin Hathway of Shaw Farm. The Ganges was a wholesale grocer and provisions dealer, one of five shops owned by Edward Radbone. Edward's wife, Helen, was a visitor for the Board of Guardians. During the First World War, the Wooden Bassett manager, William Wallace, joined up. Henry Francis took his place as manager and moved in with his wife, Edith. By the end of the war, Edward Radbone had moved to Bath. He sold the business soon after the war. The North Wilts Bacon Factory buildings can still be seen down the lane to the right of the Ganges, where pigs used to be driven in for slaughtering. The factory produced bacon, faggots, sausages, poloni, black pudding, German sausage and lard. Bella Vita was the courier's arms. The landlords were Sam Lawrence, a blacksmith, and his wife, Clara. In about 1914, they took on a temporary landlord, Henry Hassel, probably so Sam could concentrate on shoeing, but Henry was not a success and the Lawrences soon returned. During the First World War, their eldest son, Fred, was a private in the Dorset Yeomanry. 149 High Street was the home of William Ray and his wife Hilda. William was a freelance clerk who also taught commercial subjects and put on lantern shows for events and parties. The next residents were Fred Stevens and his new wife Catherine. During the First World War, Fred served in the Royal Engineers in France and Belgium. In 1918, he was awarded a DCM for conspicuous gallantry and devotion to duty. 150 High Street was called Carlingford House. It was the home of Sarah White, a widow, and her daughter Florence. They moved out when Florence married. Next to live here was Clifford Pye, a customs and excise officer, and his wife Edith. 
By 1918, the occupants were Frederick Weston, a bank clerk, and his wife Beatrice. During the First World War, Frederick served in the King Edward's Horse and as a captain in the 23rd Tank Battalion. Brian Taylor's music shop was the town's public telephone office and the home of Alicia Guy and his wife Caroline. They had a lodger, Grace Curtis, who was a fruiterer. Alicia died here in 1914 and his daughter Edith succeeded him as the local vaccination officer. Edith was the local correspondent for the North Wilts Herald. The Happy Cook and Bassett bikes were not divided as they are today. This was probably the home of Henry Francis, who we met at the Ganges. The next residents were probably Robert and Winifred Hawkes. Robert was a solicitor's clerk and worked for many local organisations. During the First World War, their son Montague served in the Royal Field Artillery in France. The next residents were Walter Armstrong, the auctioneer, and his wife Sarah, who we met at Aspley House. Wooden Bassett Antique Centre was owned by Henry Weston, who lived at 156 High Street. It was a grocer's and a wine and spirit merchant's. Cross the road at the Zebra Crossing and look to your left. The Puffin Hut was Henry Maslin's draper's shop. It was also the home of Sophia Spackman, a spinster who traded as a tea seller. Samshi, also known as In the Pink, was acquired by Henry Maslin just before the First World War. Henry merged it with his original shop next door to create a large and impressive drapers, clothiers, milliners, dressmakers and boot warehouse, which began the war with 18 employees. After the war, Henry's business partner was Stan Wheeler, who had lost his arm while serving in the Royal Berkshire Regiment. The Gelder Rose Florists was Henry and Mary Maslin's home. Henry was a cellist and had been the town's band leader before Eve Levi Easley. During the First World War, their son Charles served in the City of London Rifles and the Bedford Regiment. Chili's Indian Restaurant was the town's post office. Ruth Underhill was the postmistress and her husband James was a brewer. During the First World War, one of Ruth's sad duties was to deliver telegrams bearing bad news. The George Veterinary Practice was built on the site of a tea shop and sweet shop run by Dolly Watts. Her family lived just around the corner in Church Street. St Bartholomew's and All Saints is the parish church. Most of the burials in the churchyard predate the building of Wooden Bassett Cemetery in 1872, so there are no wall graves here. The minister was Reverend James Mathias, who lived at the vicarage in Station Road. If you have time to go inside, you will find a brass wall memorial plaque and to its left the beautiful oak screen wall which was installed as a memorial to the fallen of the Great War. The Sue Ryder Charity Shop was originally two properties. Thomas and Ruth Teagle lived on the left. Thomas had sold and repaired toys here until a serious fire put him out of business in 1906. The property on the right was a gift shop, Bevan and Kench. During the First World War, or soon after, it became a branch of the new Swindon Industrial Cooperative Society. After Thomas Teagle left, the co-op acquired his house and merged the two shops into one. The harbour was Miss Emmergale's fancy drapery and haberdashery shop. When she died in 1918, the shop was taken over by William Lambourne. He did not stay long, but he can be credited with starting the town's first permanent fishmongers here. The next owner was William Cook, who had served in the Army Service Corps in Mesopotamia during the First World War. 
He fried fish here until he retired in 1939. Alan Hawkins' estate agents was a sweet shop. The confectioners Henry and Alice Gittins had met when he was a butler and she was a cook. Here we cross Wood Street. The town hall was the town's public library. Various groups met here throughout the war, including a debating and literary society, which was formed in 1915. The town hall tea rooms was a butcher shop in the home of George Reeson and his wife Emily. Their son George Jr. was an apprentice at the Great Western Railway Works. In 1918 he was released to join the Air Force as a mechanic, but just 16 days later the war ended. Dudley House used to be covered with ivy. It was owned by Howard Horsell and his wife Jane. Howard built the Beaufort Brewery down Station Road and created a school of brewing there. He was active in many committees and the founder of many societies. He owned Horsell's Lake, now called Jubilee Lake, and loaned it to the town for swimming and water sports. Howard and Jane's youngest daughter Mabel was involved with the Red Cross. Lloyd's Bank was known as Bank House. Lloyd's Bank has been trading here since 1914. The first manager was Tom Taylor, who lived here with his wife Florence, until Tom took up a new post in Chatham. The next manager was Arthur Boyce, who had once been a lodger at the Little House. Arthur lived here with his wife Mary and was treasurer of the local Prisoners of War Fund. Little Lilacs was the home of Robert Little and his wife Rebecca. Robert was known as the poor man's lawyer. He was the parish council clerk, a tax collector and the secretary of the gas company. Parish business was frequently carried out in the office behind his house and town notices were displayed in his front windows. Charles Harding's estate agents was Percy G. Smith Drapers. It was the home of Percy Smith, a journeyman draper, and his wife Helen. During the First World War, Percy served in the Labour Corps and was wounded in France. When he was discharged in 1920, his wounds had healed, but he was suffering from tachycardia and was very neurotic. He was later well known for doing his country rounds on a bicycle. Samuel Miles' estate agents and headways was not divided as it is today. It was a doctor's surgery and the home of Dr. John Watson and his wife Eleanor. During the First World War, Dr. Watson served as a temporary surgeon on a battleship. When he returned to Wooden Bassett in 1915, the local board decided that they could not spare him for military service again. He remained as the town's doctor for the rest of his life. The post office was called Dorset House. It was the home of Mary Mundy, a bank manager's widow. She later remarried to Reverend Arthur King and moved to Dorset. The house eventually became a post office after the Second World War. We have now arrived back at the War Memorial. If you'd like to find out more about the town 100 years ago, please consider buying one of Sheridan Parsons' books or take a short stroll through Boroughfields to borrow a copy from the library.